essentially doubled your 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 deal flow and you eliminated yeah. direct mail, right? So yeah. that's like that's amazing. That's that's awesome because yeah. a lot of people are direct mail direct that's where I'm getting all my deals. You guys eliminated what a lot of people would consider their main deal source and you doubled your business. You're listening to the Just Start Real Estate podcast. If you're serious about your real estate investing business and need real answers, you are in the right place. And now, your host, Mike Simmons. All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate. I appreciate you tuning in to the show and checking it out. If it's the first time you have ever uh, listened to the show, if you just stumbled upon us, thank you very, very much for doing so. If you are a loyal listener, listener, I should say, then thank you very much for coming back. I appreciate it. I have another great show for you today with some great investors, and I'm psyched to bring it to you. I really am. These guys are phenomenal. I met them a few years ago, and they already had a business that was moving along and, and progressing. And uh, they joined, actually, they joined the Seven Figure Flipping Program, which I've mentioned on this show that I am involved in. We help teach investors how to take their business to the next level. Uh, it's not for new investors uh, necessarily, but um, these guys had a business that was already up and running. So uh, they came in and I was uh, somebody who kind of worked with them early on to help them take their business to the next level. And boy, have they done that. And they're doing it in a way that is a little unconventional. They're not really um, fueling their business, the lead generation that they're using is not what most people nowadays are using to get leads. And they are extremely profitable. Their margins are fantastic. And they're going to do like 80 deals this year. So that's a little a little spoiler alert for what's coming. But I just want you to understand the caliber of people that we're talking to on this show, and even specifically today who we're talking to. So I'm excited to bring these guys in. Their name are Chris. Their names are Chris and Heather Logan. They're a husband and wife team, and these guys are phenomenal. I'm excited to bring them to you. So without any further ado, let's uh, let's bring them on and talk to them. All right, Chris and Heather Logan, thanks for being here with me. You guys are the best. I appreciate it, and uh, just welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks for doing this. First of all, I mean, you guys are busy and we're going to get into all that, what you're doing, but your time is valuable and uh, I, I couldn't be happier to have you here. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Mike. Thanks so much for having it. We're having us. We're pumped to be on your uh, podcast today. So good. I'm, I'm excited to have you guys. Uh, I've, I've known you for a while now. I was in, involved in some of the early stages of your, of your business and, and we'll get into some of that too, but let's just for the people listening who don't know who you are, um, let's talk about where, how you got here? Like, what what did you do prior to real estate, and how did you get involved? Why did you get involved? What what attracted you to this industry? Sure. So um, before Heather and I got involved in real estate, we uh, were working in corporate America. You know, 60, 70 hour week jobs, and um, I'd always had an interest in real estate. Uh, my dad, I found out later on in life that my dad actually flipped a property with my grandfather um, when awesome. uh, before I was even born. And I uh, thought that was pretty neat. Um, but anyway, so we were working uh, corporate jobs and we just knew that we wanted more and wanted more out of life, wanted more freedom, more time. Yeah. And so um, I naturally gravitated towards real estate. So uh, I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, Heather and I were actually dating at the time. And uh, ironically enough, I was over at her place one day checking my email. And then there was an ad that came up uh, on the screen while I was checking it that said, you know, this event is coming to your town in Tampa, right? And so um, I didn't want to go by myself. So I asked Heather and she said yes. And uh, we went to that event. It was one of those free events where they have like, you know, uh, you, you come in and the, the speaker had, talks at a very high level as far as real estate goes and how it's a path to wealth for millionaires and billionaires and all that. And it piques your interest, right? Sure, yeah. And at the end of the course, uh, or at the end of the thing, they basically say, if you'd like to take the next step and learn more, you can come to our paid event, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what we did. Um, I looked at Heather and I said, you want to do this? She said, yep. So went back to the room, got that, went to the paid event. It was three days. They talked more about leveraging debt, um, the importance of making decisions uh, quickly when it comes to real estate, because good deals are here today and gone tomorrow. Yep. Um, after we heard everything from from that they gave us an option obviously at the end to take the next step right yeah but before yep. that they broke down all the different types of real estate deals that you can do and uh wholesaling was one they talked about and they kind of drew out on the whiteboard like how a wholesaling deal worked and then heather and i looked at each other and we're like this is it this is a no-brainer 
So we took the next step, um, went to an event in Miami for a wholesaling 101 course. Okay. And we uh, took the course there and, and ran with it from there. It actually took about, what, six months, I think, to do our first deal. Yeah, about that. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so you were off and running, still working your corporate jobs, I take it, at yeah. this point. Okay. Um, cool. So you did your first deal. How'd that one go? Was it a wholesale deal? Yep. Okay. How'd that go? It was from a bandit sign. Good old bandit sign. All right. Good old bandit signs. A little plug for the bandit sign. (laughs) Yeah. When we first started, you know, we didn't have, um, you know, obviously everybody getting started doesn't have, you know, excessive funds for marketing and and to invest. So we tried to do what we could with what we had. And um, we first started with putting out bandit signs consistently every single week. So our very first deal was from a good old bandit sign. Nice. How did it go? Did you guys make money? Yes, we did. So it was kind of funny. We, um, they didn't really talk about like in wholesaling, how you need to have a buyer, like how you have to have to have a buyer's list first. Okay. So they're just like, go out and get a deal. And then the buyers will come basically. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we contracted a deal, an amazing deal in a, in a beautiful neighborhood. One that we probably wouldn't market to right now, just because the houses are like higher end, but yeah. needless to say, we came across the unicorn. Yeah. Um, we contracted it. And I think we made like 4,000 bucks on our first deal, but okay. we, we pushed and pushed and it took forever to, yeah. to get it done, but we got it done. Okay. I think we had like two extensions in place with the seller. Luckily at that <laughs> time we had some very nice sellers. So yeah. they were very, they, they were very understanding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you guys had a nice little intro into the business then a kind of a, a nice little deal with good sellers and a nice neighborhood. That's helpful. That's good. So that how was do- all we really needed basically to, to get evidence that it, it worked, worked. Yes. and we needed to keep going. So know? you guys were hooked from that point. That, then it's all of a sudden started clicking for you. So, yeah. okay. So you got the bug at that point. What What's next? What do you do next? You got the $4,000 profit off a of bandit sign. Now what? So um, what was really neat is after we did our first deal and we saw it was possible, right? Um, the next deal came very shortly, like right after that. I would say it probably came two to three weeks later. Um, it came from another, it was another bandit sign, okay. uh, deal. And then, uh, we did that deal. Um, we learned our mis- from, from different things to do and not to do from the first deal. Um, the, actually the same guy that bought the first one, bought the second one, okay. uh, he was our go-to buyer for <laughs> our entire year, first year of doing deals so, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And okay. then, um, what we did from that point is we took those funds and reinvested them into direct mail because we were reading some things online about direct mail and how. We should probably do that. And so we did it and direct mail was good for us for a while. Um, and uh, that's that's how we got things going and started getting consistency. And we were averaging like maybe a deal every other month. And then okay. it got more consistent to a deal a month and then kind of went on from there. It was just really exciting that as we started to do more and more and put more back into the business that yeah. the phone kept ringing more and then more. And yeah. you're like, this is amazing, you know? And so it starts slow, but then um, once you keep reinvesting, it's cool to see like, you're like, oh my gosh, it's really working and it's growing and yeah. totally so, so let me ask you a question the bandit signs who was putting them out you guys are working 60 hours a week were you putting them out every week together i was the driver okay um, so we would get all of our bandit signs loaded in the back of the car very carefully so we did scratch the car when we were pulling them out at every stop car. so i would be the, i would be the driver and we would have these very specific spots we would put up so we pull up I'd be like, okay, it just turned red, go. So he would jump out of his car, <laughs> fly across the median, stick one in, and then he'd run back in the car and I'd be like, okay, it's green. And then we like, right onto yeah, the next light. That's so funny. And we put them out every single week together. Rain or shine. Rain or shine, except, yeah, sometimes when it was lightning, we would like attempt it, but we're like, maybe this isn't a good idea. <laughs> or your metal sign. Or your metal sign. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right next to probably telephone poles and things, yeah. So I think we consistently did that every week for what, two, two years, years probably. Yeah, probably. Two years. And mm-hmm. then after two years of consistently doing it every week, I think it was that long, yeah. we outsourced it. Yeah. So then okay. we hired a guy, um, paid him to do it every week, mm-hmm. you know, paid him per sign and, and things like that, had a tracking program. Like program. Yep. We're like, after doing it so long, we were totally over the bandit side. <laughs> you guys hung in there for a long time, actually. Two years is a long time. Probably too long, man. Yeah, we, did, we were long. like over the late nights and risking our lives. Yeah, so, yeah. But uh, it worked for, for the time being. That's hilarious. So how once you guys got your first deal and you're like, okay, we're in. This is us, man. How long did it take you to, to quit your, your corporate jobs? So we had a unique strategy with that in place. Um, while we believe that the business would uh, provide a, a great lifestyle for us, um, 
you know, we wanted to make sure that we weren't going to be like, you know, leave our company and then start do it for a little while, try it and then have to go back for whatever right. reason. And so we just wanted to make a calculated decision um, yep. with that, uh, especially since we saw a future together, we wanted to make sure we were secure. So, yep. um, so what we did is we actually, you know, saved up, we, we worked both for a long time, I would say we both worked both full time, <laughs> okay. business and uh, working full time, we yeah. saved up, you know, six to 12 months of uh, income in the bank and then decided to leave. Yeah. So I think that was probably about actually probably about two years in. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, that was about it that I left first mm -hmm. yep. um, in April of the year. And then I think Chris stayed another year or so yep. or whatever. And then he left that following year, year and a half later. So we, we really planned for that was like the end mission, right? The goal yeah. was to yep. leave corporate America. How do we do that? What do we need to have in place? Like, what do we need to, you know, do to make that happen at, by this time? So. Yeah, that's 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 really good. Actually, that's exactly how I did it. Um, I kind of had a deal with my wife. My wife is is great, but she's conservative. She's not like, oh, let's just go all in and bet everything. You know, she's not that way. So I was like, okay, here's the deal. Uh, and this was like probably four or five, four years, four and a half years in, something like that. I said, here's the deal. I think I can do this. And honestly, I think my job is in the way. I think if I had more time, I could really, because it could really take off because I did it as a side hustle too for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I said, if I can save and bank a year's worth of salary, worst case scenario, eight months in, we go, okay, this isn't working. And I have to go back to work and it gives me four months to find something before we run out of funds. How, what do you think of that? And she's like, you save a year's salary and put it in the bank and I can see it there. I don't care. It's fine. Let's do it. So I did it, never looked back. That's how it went too. But I, I think it's smart. I've never been a big, huge fan of just like, just quit your job, burn the boats, you know, like don't give yourself an option B. I'm like, well, I mean, if you're 22, maybe you can do that. Yeah. But, you know, I when I did this, when I went all in, I was, um, how old was I? I don't know, 41 or two or something, kids and a mortgage and all that. Like you can't, like that's just crazy, right? Yeah. So I did it. I was late nights, early mornings, all that stuff. Same thing you guys did, right? Just hustled until I was confident. Like I sort of had that bird off the ground before I, you know, decided I was good. So that that's a, I think it's smart and I think people should be careful because it's real fun to say, I'm going to go in and quit and tell them I'm going to do my own thing. Like that's great until you can't pay your mortgage. Right. So you got to be a little careful. <laughs> totally. So, yeah. all right. Well, so how, all right, you guys did it for two years before you both quit. And then we're, I know I met you through seven figure flipping. You guys joined, um, that program. So where were we in the timeline of that? Like after the two years, you both quit. How long until I met you? How long was that time? Oh, uh, let's see. I think that was probably what two years or three years, two two years. Well, this before? is our second year in um, seven figure oh, flipping. So, yeah. So uh, that what what was that year three maybe beginning of year three. So it have to be at least two years, if not a little bit longer, before. Yeah, we so met that year. must have been year three yeah, two, because if we've been in two, well, no, maybe two. I don't know. Somewhere maybe. Okay, so that. we we I met you like a year or two after you quit your jobs. Yeah, yes. exactly. Okay, yes. okay, okay. That makes sense. Working out the timeline. Then. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, and then what? What were you guys doing right before you joined Seven Figure Flipping? What did your business look like? What was your kind of your your volume, and how were you doing things? Yeah. So um, when we before we joined Seven Figure Flipping, um, our business looked totally different. Uh, it was basically Heather and I, right? And we were doing, um, I want to say, I don't know, like a couple of deals a month. Um, okay. our business model was uh, a little bit different back then. Um, we would have, um, we'd focus on marketing to properties that had really large spreads, right? So we had a, we had a low volume, but high margin type business. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and we had a few different types of marketing strategies we were doing at the time, still wholesaling, but we would close on more stuff. We listed on the MLS. We even took on some rehabs and, um, you know, we, we were living a good life. Um, with what we were making from that business and, and enjoying it. But the problem was um, Heather and I were tired of working in the business. Yeah. And we wanted to take our business to that next level. And next level I define as having people in the positions, team members that you can rely on that are bought into the vision, believe uh, in what you're doing, 
and want to move towards a common goal in which allows us to be taken out of the business so we can focus on expansion and the bigger things. Right. Okay. So that was really our, um, that was really our goal when we joined seven figure flipping and we looked at a lot of different masterminds out there to see which would be the best, but I loved how it was just, you know, a focused group. Yeah. That I, I think it was like at the end of, at the end of that year, you know, we were reflecting like, you know, after new year's about how we wanted that new year to be different. Right. You yeah. know, personally, professionally and things like that. And, you know, Chris and I thought, we were under the mindset that, you know, we're going to hit that mark with just he and I, right. We're going to no no one can work harder. Right. You know, you yeah. have that mentality. Yeah. No one yep. knows your business better than you. Yeah. And we thought we're going to, we're going to hit that, you know, that goal and that mark with just he and I, you know, mm -hmm. that's, we're going to grind it out yep. and we're going to do it. Yep. And then at the end of that year, we were so exhausted and we were reflecting, you know, after New Year's about how we wanted it to be different. And, you know, we really decided we were going to seek out mentorship and coaching. And like Chris said, you know, boy, did we go looking and we, we looked, um, we, we, we sought out quite a few, you know, we uh, heard like some of them we attended, uh, some of them we had like a phone meeting with, we, we really took our time. Um, to make sure that it felt right, right? Like yeah. after the call or the intro, we kind of talked about it and it really just wasn't what we were looking for. Like we mm -hmm. knew what we wanted and we knew what we were looking for. So we kept kind of seeking them out here and there. And we're like, we're not going to rush into it. We're going to make sure that it really feels like it's the right fit. Right. And then we came across, um, I guess that the, the page online somewhere, I can't yeah. even remember line on, online where, and we sat down at the table and he's like, look at this. And we were kind of looking at it, reading over it. And it, um, it appealed to us. Yeah. So then we looked into that next step, which I guess was getting on a call or. Yeah. And you guys had a ridiculous amount of testimonials that <laughs> you listened to. And so I'm like, man, like if one of these 3000 testimonials is, is right. I mean, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And then we decided to, <laughs> what did we submit our info to get yeah. on a call or yeah. something like that? Yeah. I can't remember. And then, um, I don't even remember who we spoke to first initially. Yeah, um, I think it was Eddie was we spoke Eddie? to. I can't yeah. remember. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, and then, you know, after that call, uh, we got set up with you, which I think, you know, you are the perfect person for us to have um, to analyze our business and to kind of say, hey, look, here's where you are. You know, where do you want to go? And then, you know, giving us input and advice on how to get there. Um, some of the strategies that you recommended for marketing, I mean, we use today with, looking at our different lists and how we pull on list source and a lot of stuff really, really helped. And as far as the, uh, the, the pieces and everything, I mean, that was tremendous help. So cool. yeah. And I would say a big thing is, you know, like when we had our, once we joined the group, you know, our first, the first intro call that was with you, um, you know, that was a lot of, I guess that aha moments where you were like, really broke it down. Like we were way overthinking, yeah, right? Way overthinking. We, our complex corporate mm. minds always think that it's gotta be the most like, it's difficult. gotta be harder. It's gotta yeah, be harder. Yeah. We have to make sure every single thing has meaning and this and that. And it was just kind of like that moment where we got off the call with you and we were like, holy cow, like we were way overthinking everything. We were analyzing way too much. Yeah. And it was getting us to a point, right? But it was yeah. just that that turning point where finally someone we said, out. Hey, like you know, worry about this. Don't worry about that. Mm -hmm. And just do these things. And we we're like, are you sure it's kind of that? Like, <laughs> like yeah. And, and we we're like, okay, we're just going to trust him. You know, obviously yeah. he's got a successful business and things like that. So we we're like, this is why we joined a mastermind like this to trust, to trust the advice we got and run yeah. with it. And yeah. boy, did we ever, and that's when it really changed everything for us. Absolutely. You guys are so cool. I, and I've talked to a lot of people <clears throat> who are new in the business. Or not, you guys weren't that new, but people who were trying to grow, like they wanted to go somewhere. And there's really two types of people when you boil it down. People who will listen and take the advice that they that they were seeking, and people who will go, well, yeah, but the way I look at it is, and it's like in one side ends up usually good things happen and the other side they stay status quo right so you yeah. guys were very open and and like open to like learning and seeing it a different way and that's not always easy to do when you're 
highly intelligent, you're corporate trained, and you're, you're, you, you're looking for a more complex answer to a simple question. And the most, not most, but some people will, will go, well, that sounds a little, you're oversimplifying it. There's more to it, right? And you guys did that a little bit, but like you said, you were kind of like, okay, this is what we were looking for. We need to trust that, that this person knows what he's talking about. And, and, you're, and you're doing it. And you guys shared something today on our, our, our private um, Facebook group for Seven Figure Flipping. You just shared just today, like I saw it, that you are basically at this point, you have finally completely automated, systematized. You hired the right people who are doing their job without your direct input all the time. And you're able to rise above the, the day-to-day for the most part and just manage your business and free yourself up of some of the minutia that, that you have to be involved in when you're trying to get to that point. So um, I said it on Facebook, but I'll say it here uh, publicly. Congratulations. You guys are great. Um, hiring and bringing people in and trusting and training, that's it's hard. It's not easy, you know, but but there's a way to do it well and there's some good best practices. And, and you guys went through a few people, but you got to the point where you have like acquisitions nailed down. You have dispositions nailed down. You guys have a, a, a process for lead generation, which we'll touch on in a minute. But um, you got it kind of all buttoned up. And, and listen, it's a business. There, there will be things that will happen. There'll be challenges. You know that. I don't have to tell you that. But you got to the point now where you finally have gotten that that time back a little bit, the freedom, and you've systemized and you've created a business, not a job for yeah, yourself, yeah. right? So yeah. congratulations. It can be done. It's it's a real thing out there for the, those of you who are listening going, but I'm running around doing everything. Yeah, that's how it starts, you know, and then you have to put put together a plan and execute. And you guys did that. So just to say, just to speak on that real quick. So for anyone out there that is thinking, oh, now's not the right time to hire in my business, like <laughs> take that barrier and just throw it in the trash can, right? Because <laughs> yeah. the thing is, is we said the same thing for a long time until we finally were like, listen, we can't do this anymore. Just the two of us, we have to do something, right? Yeah. And we did it and we look back on what it, it took to do it mm-hmm. and we could have done it like a year ago, two years ago, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so the biggest barrier I think is shifting your business from, from, a, hot, from a high paid hobby, right? Mm-hmm. To an actual business, but thinking that you have to be at a certain point before you can hire people. No, you're hiring these people so they can get you there, Yeah. right? Yep. So, um, what was, what was your biggest, what was your biggest mental hurdle to get over when it came to hiring? Just out of curiosity. Cause you said you should have done it earlier. You thought you couldn't, whatever. What was the biggest hurdle or misconception that you had? There was, there was, there was several, right? So the first was deal volume. You're like, you know, you're net, you're never doing enough deals to get that person in that seat. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because let's say one month you, you, you crush it and you do a lot of deals and you're like, yeah, we're ready. And then the next month, you know, maybe the deals dip a little bit and you're like, Oh shoot, maybe I'm not that ready. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so you go through this cycle, at least that's what we did for a couple of years. And then you're like, you know what, forget it. We're just going to do it. And whatever happens, happens. Yeah. And things just, I can't explain it, but like things just kind of happen. They work themselves out. You do more deals. Like you, um, you get, as long as you're focused on the process and you're dedicated to making it work for them and making it work for your company, like you, you find the way like it, yeah. it happens. Harder. Well, it's a little bit chicken and egg too, because when you bring people in, it allows you to do more, right? You, you can do more, like it expands your, your, your fishbowl, so to speak, like you can grow to a point in that bowl, but until you expand the fishbowl and, and part of that is bringing people in. Okay. So um, not doing enough deals was one, anything else that comes to mind that was a tough hurdle. I would definitely say like for us, it was finding the right person. Yeah. Like, you know, because, you know, a big hurdle we had to get over, I think we heard it in this group or whatever, that if you can find someone to do the job at least 70% as good as you can, Mm -hmm. right? Or more, obviously the goal is to get someone 70% or better, Mm -hmm. but if you can find somebody to do at least 70% as good as you, that's, that's a good thing, right? And Chris and I were just, we were so used to doing everything and knowing everything and owning everything that we were like, how, you know, how are we going to find this person that we can trust enough to come in and take over either, either, either of our spots, um, that they're like, we're like, no one can do it as good as us, right? No one can close as good as us. No one can, you know, do marketing as good as us. And we had to really get over that hurdle to say that if we can find somebody to do it like this, we're going to train and literally we've poured everything we have into, um, giving them all the knowledge, um, you know, that we have. And I think that was a huge thing. Yeah. um, And reading traction too, kind of, 
uh, started to open us up to this before we joined Seven Figure Flipping, flipping Two. Um, separating ourselves um, into individual roles within the business, mm -hmm. basically identifying, you know, what like what's Heather's strengths, right? What is she what is she amazing at? Right. Right. I'm not so good at. And what are things that I'm really good at or amazing at and that she's not so good at, right? Um, or that are, that are not really yeah. her strengths. So it's finding that and drilling down, not just focusing on your weaknesses and what you have to improve, but identifying with each individual person's strength. We worked as a as one person in the business for a long time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I would always sell the deals, but sometimes like she do acquisitions, I do acquisitions. I mean, we were yeah two division of responsibility. Two time, you know? Yep. So and then once we actually sat down and broke apart the roles and responsibilities, that was a huge game huge. changer too. Like when we were like, okay, you know, she was actually a lot better at acquisitions. I mean, I thought I was good, <laughs> and then she comes over here and just crushes it. Like, <laughs> Hey, maybe uh, we should have done this a lot sooner. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, and that, I would that, sell my house to her before I would sell it to you too, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Sorry, yeah. it's just the facts, man. Okay, yeah, but that was pretty cool, though. We did like that was a huge eye opener. Once I owned a certain point, he owned a certain point. We were like, wow, like we're both really flourishing at what we're, you know, we we're both yeah. crushing it. So that was yeah. pretty cool to see. That's but I'd cool. sell my house to Heather before I'd sell to you. <laughs> as long as we all agree. Give you a hard time, but we. Agree. I will say that the coolest thing, though, just to talk about closing deals. So obviously, like we were doing flashback we were doing everything in person you know meeting with sellers in in person and things like that but a huge yeah. transition we've also done this year is um slowly transition to closing everything over the phone so yep. right now huge. we're at about a 90 percent um, wow. at the beginning of the year we we're kind of 50 50 because we were still getting the processes buttoned up the scripts the deals the you know the confidence that this is how it's going to be mm -hmm. you know you know so now what's really neat is we've actually transitioned to uh, doing, we're doing about 90%, um, if not more. Okay. I didn't even know that actually. So real quick, I want to yeah. go back. You referenced a book and just because I don't know if everyone caught it, it was, it's traction. It's called traction. Yeah. Yeah. Gino, yeah, Gino Wickman, right? Is that Gino Wickman wrote that book, right? Gino yeah. Wickman, yeah. yeah. Traction by Gino Wickman. So you guys can look that up. Um, okay, good. So you brought up closing on the phone. So that's interesting. Um, you guys are both like you said, Chris, in all seriousness, you're a good closer in person. Heather's a good closer. Um, why why go over the phone when you know the power of being in front of somebody? What made you choose to start doing it over the phone? That's number one. And then the next question I want to ask after you answer that is, what is the pushback, if any, that you get from sellers? What is the biggest hurdle with doing it over the phone? Yeah, I would say that for us, we decided to do more so closing over the phone because it was doing more with your time, right? So more when efficient. we being more efficient, when I'm closing somebody over the phone, and then I'm saying, okay, I have to drive 30, 45 minutes to their house, spend 45 minutes to an hour at that appointment, yep. and then drive that time back to the office, that's like three hours out of your afternoon. And you're like, man, my afternoon is gone. Now I got to get caught up on all these other things. So we just wanted to be able to do more, get out more offers, more contracts, more conversions. You know, now when we lock something up over the phone, we have um, property inspectors in all of our uh, counties and markets that we say, hey, you know, we've locked this deal up over the phone. We need you to go by on this day for, for property photos. So we send them by to do the inspection, take the pictures, put a lockbox on the property. Mm -hmm. And it was just doing more because once we scaled out the cold calling team, um, we had so many leads coming in every single day that yep. couldn't sit, that had to be handled. Mm -hmm. And so the only way to do that was to be more efficient with our time. So yep. I was like, we're great at closing in person. For me, you know, it's a little bit of a transition from going to closing in person over the phone, just because <clears throat> I love being in front of people just yeah. due to like read. I love like, I love that close, right? Yeah. Reading their body language, being able to build rapport, walking through their home, create like being empathetic and really being relatable because yeah. most people do business with who they trust and that trust is really built when you're in person. Yeah. So we just took that same model and really just transitioned it to the phone, right? Mm -hmm. We, we really like strive to create that same conversation with empathy and relatability and all those things that we did in person. And now we're just doing it over the phone. So. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Kind of removing a barrier there too. If like you can close in person, um, then you can do it over the phone. If you can do it over the phone, you can do it in person. Um, and I think that it just, it also lifts the cap off of the area you can serve as well. 
right? Yep. Yep. So we, um, we're in one virtual market right now about to expand to a second virtual market. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what's really interesting is we're not having to hire a new acquisitions person for that market. Our existing acquisitions manager in our home market can handle the deals in those markets too. Yep. yep. It's just setting up relationships, systems, and processes, and then you know generating the buyers, and then it's no different from your own market. So it actually takes the the cap off of how much more you can do as a business as well. Did yeah. you did you find any hurdles when you try to do it over the phone? Like, is there any weird? Like, I would anticipate because we don't close over the phone. I would anticipate people saying, like, I who are you? Like, how do I know you're real? Or just in general, sometimes we find people on the phone can be real defensive and standoffish. And then you get in person, they, they melt, you know, cause it's a real person. Like what, what if any, maybe none, maybe I'm, maybe I am putting a hurdle that, that doesn't even exist, but what hurdles or what challenges did you find when you're doing this over the phone that you didn't de- have to deal with when you were in person? So I would definitely say that you get those sellers on the phone, right. That have those barriers up, not all of them, you know, every call goes different, sure. but the sellers that tend to have those barriers or, or those walls up. You know, you really have to learn to be a very intentional listener, right? And um, also with your negotiating style, another great book is uh, Never Split the Difference um, by Chris Voss. That's game changing too. So you really, as you know, being in acquisitions, you have to know what type of person you have on the phone, right? By their tone, by how fast they talk, by their body, uh, not by their body language, but by like the tone of their voice. Yeah, yeah. You know, like if you got... Susie Smith, who's 92 on the phone, or you got Johnny Rocket, who's a New Yorker, like, you know, Pitbull, like you really have to like, a, a you know, chameleon yourself to who you are with yeah. on the phone. Like, that's a huge thing. Yep. And a lot of people, you know, like when we get those people on the phone where they're like, how do I know this is a scam? How do I know you're even real? You know, Mr. Mr. Seller, if I was you, I would have those same concerns. So yep. You know, and then we kind of talk a little bit more instead of trying to go in for that kill or going for that close. We're more so like kind of addressing that without directly addressing it, talking yeah. them a little bit more, telling them a little bit more, building that rapport, getting them to laugh. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then kind of just, you can't go in and be like, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a skill. You can't go in and be like, you know, these solicitation callers, right. That call you that want to sell you X, Y, and Z. Like they call you, they don't care to ask you any questions about you or yourself. They're just like, Hey, this is so-and-so and and I'm selling this today and I want you to buy it. And what is your response? You're like, who's this joker? And like, why is he calling me? And I got (laughs) it. Exactly. Exactly. But when you call in and you got to remember you're, it's it's a people business, right? Yeah. So I think that's the big thing that we always have to remember. Like we're we're in the people business mm-hmm. of building that rapport with other people, and we're we always our business. We you know one of our core values is having a servant mentality. So mm-hmm. yep. when we're on the phone with these people, like how can we best serve them? How can we best assist them? And a lot of times, what I what I actually love is when I get those people on the phone that have those barriers really high and those walls up. And I learn kind of like by the questions that I ask how to break those down. And it's yeah. just so awesome by the end of the call when you can see that you've broken through and they're like open to talking with you and open to this and open to those next steps. I love that challenge yeah. of just being like, okay, I got a difficult one. Not, you know, it's no problem because we're going to, we're going to see work you're different yeah. Yeah. You're, and, and people can sense your motives too. That's a big thing. So when we, you know, get on the phone with people, the difference between us is like people can see that we really care and they're not just a number and we're yeah. not just, you know? So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That does make sense. No, that, I mean, I, I'm glad you guys explained that a little bit more because I think there's a lot of folks out there that would say, oh, you can't close over the phone, right? But you guys are doing it and, and it's just a matter of taking the time. You you can't be on or off the phone in five minutes would be my guess. You have right. to spend a little bit of time and, and, and make them understand that you're a real person who's listening to what they have to say and you care about what their situation Um that that's I mean that's totally cool and I know you guys do um, you do a lot of cold calling so is it your I'm a, I'm assuming and I don't want words in your mouth but I'm assuming the cold calling team are not closing that you're setting appointments for an acquisition to call back and do that mm-hmm. okay okay that's that's kind of what I thought um, and you said you send an inspector out to the to the property. Do they do a full-on inspection or like a kind of a walkthrough inspection? I know they're taking pictures, but how much of an inspection are you doing on these properties? 
So sometimes full inspections, mm -hmm. varies um, by but uh, like sometimes we'll actually have a, a licensed inspector go out to the properties, right? Okay. Um, and then other times we'll send uh, members of our team, which uh, they're realtors, right? Most of the time. Um, and then uh, we, we basically pay them like 50 bucks to go out to the property, take pictures, and then they upload pictures to our company Dropbox account. They send those to, uh, to our company and upload them into our CRM. Okay. And then that's it. And okay. our acquisition has it. That's that's so cool. Do you send like a DocuSign or something to the seller? Is that how you get their signature? Yep, everything's done via DocuSign for the most part. Um, you know, usually it's all DocuSign. Occasionally it might be fax, but that's like maybe the smallest percent. Yeah. And then the ones that people have fax machines anymore. People have fax. Yeah, believe it or not. yeah the, you, you know what types of sellers those are. Yeah. And then you know that five to ten percent that we go out to, everybody yeah. knows what that seller looks like. You know, the ninety-two-year-old yeah. lady that you know, that doesn't have, hasn't turned on a computer, hasn't turned on a computer, no yeah, smart exactly. phone, yeah. no library, doesn't even know what a fax is. So, right, right, right. You know, but I will say that like something like not, so with closing over the phone, right? Like you hope that every call goes great, right? But occasionally like not every call goes perfect. So you have to accept that too, right? Like yep. just like when you're in, in home with somebody, everything's not always a hundred percent. So you do get yep. sometimes those people that are a little bit more, you know, but on to the next one, right? Yeah. So don't don't get yep. hung up with oh this guy was rude or mean or sure. upset, or hung up on me. Yeah. You're just like, well, sorry for him. I'm not buying his house today. And then just you know, kind of keep that mentality that it's a yep. numbers game. Yep, totally. I, I totally agree with that. So you guys are doing some virtual stuff. That's cool. I didn't know you're doing that either. You guys are just rockers. I mean, you're you guys are just taking off. Um, so the virtual markets. What made you expand? Was just more reach? Like just you kind of felt like you had nailed down your market and you need to go somewhere else, or what was it? What was the attraction to going virtual? So, um, so it's it's actually a couple of reasons. Um, the first reason is that um, you know we we switched from doing direct mail to cold calling at the end of last year. Yep. So at the end of last year, we saw what our cost per piece was a direct mail and our cost per deal. And then at that point, you know, we saw um, what we were doing with cold calling. We had uh, two people yep. on our team last year doing it and our cost per deal was just like night and day with cold calling than it was yep. direct mail. Yep. And so we made the decision to go, you know, hundred percent cold calling. Um, and so with that, you know, there's only so many lists you can pull in your own market. Yeah. You know, there's only so yeah. many times you can hit them before you have to rest those lists yep. and uh, call in another list, right? Yeah. And so, uh, so our motivation to expand to another market was we hit our lists really hard. Yeah. You know, and six months into the year, we're like, well, shoot, man. You know, we gotta. Yeah. Gotta pull some lists, you know. Yeah. So, so basically, uh, we pulled more lists, and uh, we did, we did. Uh, just kind of an analysis of the surrounding markets that we have and just other markets that we had talked about wanting to go into. Um, and we ended up expanding to these a lot sooner than we thought um, just by pulling a list. You know? Okay. So are they, are they like adjacent markets or are they like cross the country kind of markets? These are adjacent markets, okay. but they're too far for us to actually physically go to for appointments. Some yeah. are two hours away, three hours away. So it's just not feasible for that. Okay. So, um, so basically it's just about, you know, setting up the boots on the ground in the market, right? Yep. Um, and then, uh, basically just call, have our team call in the leads like they would, you know, leads in our home market yep. and then our acquisitions team, uh, work those leads and, uh, get those deals done. How do you, how do you evaluate these properties? If you're not in that market, what's your, what's your method for coming up with an offer in, in a new market? Like, how do you evaluate yeah. that? So I'll let Heather answer that question because she's in. Uh... Do, you, well, do you want to talk about the, the MLS analysis that we do? Oh, yeah. Sure. Well, you don't have to break it down. My get my point is like if you go to a new market, like right now in my market, I have MLS access. But if I went mm -hmm. to like I'm in Michigan, if I went to Indiana, like I don't have the MLS and yeah. I know the MLS is is reliable. Right. H how do you guys get your data to evaluate? Properties. So we haven't we haven't ran across that problem just yet, but I can tell you what I would do if we were in that situation. So our MLS extends to the areas that we're. Oh, okay, okay, that's market. huge. Okay, okay. But um, we have, let's see, at the beginning of uh, this year was the middle of last year. We actually did a wholesale in a virtual market where our MLS didn't extend. Okay. And so what we did is we actually called um, a friend of mine that actually lives in the market. He's a realtor, oh, and I asked him to hire me on as an assistant, basically, quote yeah. unquote, give him access, and yeah. he gave us access to his MLS. So that's really what I would do if I was going to be in that situation, um, and I was licensed. 
I would basically tell the agent, hey, I'm going to send you so many referrals. It's just going to be ridiculous. You know, yeah. Your business is going to explode. Um, and in exchange, if you could just give me you know, MLS access yep. and you can arrange some type of percentage of the commission if you're licensed. And if you're not licensed, you can send referrals in exchange for the MLS access. Oh, nice. Know? That's a good idea, actually. That's a really good idea. Yeah, people ask me all the time and I always tell them, like, they go, what about Zillow? What about Redfin? You can use all those things, but I'm just telling you, like, it's tough love, but the MLS is going to give you your best data. So if you know there's something out there that is like the Bible of the data that you want, why would you go with something secondary? Just create a relationship, figure it out, be creative, right? Offer to exchange leads for access, whatever you have to do, but just do it. Like, don't make that a hurdle. Just get it, right? And move forward. That's awesome. So you guys mentioned cold calling. Um, You're you're somewhat of a celebrity in the circles that we all run in with with your cold calling because you guys have figured something out that has um, frustrated people for a long time. You're not the first person to think about cold calling as an option for lead gen, but you are doing it better than anybody I know. And and people get frustrated because cold callers can get burned out and people don't know how to manage all that. So without going deeply into it, because we could be here for another two hours, what made you uh, dis- decide to go straight cold calling. How long did it take you to get that dialed in? And what is your like plans for that? Is there any plan to, to make improve it? Yeah. Great question. So, um, so just for the record, um, cold calling frustrated us too. <laughs> we were doing it too. So like, we're not like, uh, you know, it's not like that didn't happen with us. Um, but it just comes down to how bad you want something, how bad you want to figure something out. Yep. And I get kind of obsessive with that sometimes, and so do we. Um, so anyway, um, make a long to go back to what you were saying. So yeah. um, the reason we decided to cold call, so we were having a, you know, direct mail was no longer working for us as well as it had in the years prior, yeah. right? The market was heating up. Um, a lot more people are getting postcards. You walk into a house sometimes when we were going on appointments and their stacks like literally like this. Yeah. And we're like, why'd you pick us? Well, we just took yours off the top type of deal, right? Yeah. So, um, we, um, you know, uh, cold calling was how I generated leads for every sales company that I've been a part of. Um, same with Heather, you know, we, we both have a lot of experience like calling over the phone in high volume environments. And so at the end of the year, we're like, shoot, you know, this is something we're struggling with. I mean, you know, why not lean into our strengths? Like, what are we really good at that we can double down on and just own? Right. Yeah. yeah. And so we're like, well, I mean, we're good at, making calls and reaching out to people. So we said, you know what, let's, let's do it. Let's test it. So I started making calls, right. And this was before the end of last year, yeah. towards the beginning of last year, I was making some yeah. calls to, um, when to, we were doing uh, the transition. Like, yeah, exactly. Still doing direct mail, but starting to get, figure out cold calling. Yeah. So yeah. I was calling on uh, some bird dog leads. I created a system to be able to, uh, be able to scale that. And so we were calling, I was calling on those and I was noticing that the, the deals in the leads that I was calling on, um, people, there wasn't a ton of competition for those particular uh, deals or leads. And um, our margins were just a lot bigger than some of our other deals we were getting from other channels of marketing. And um, it just made more sense. So I did it for probably, I want to say three to six months of okay. cold calling myself. And when we got the uh, deal volume consistent with cold calling it like one deal a month, um, at that point we were like, you know what, um, let's hire someone to replace me. So we hired three people, three assistants. Um, and then one person quit shortly after. And so we were left with two, those same two guys stuck with us, um, for the rest of the year. And then when we were at that point of saying, uh, being frustrated with direct mail, we said, okay, let's put everything on a spreadsheet and take a look at what our, uh, return on investment was, because that's what marketing is. It's an yep. investment, right? Yep. And so we saw that cold calling was just destroying it. I mean, that was seven to one, seven dollars gross for every dollar spent. Um, you know, I think it was or eight, seven dollars gross and per dollar spent and six six dollars net, or it was eight dollars gross and seven dollars net. I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was it was crazy. And our direct mail return, um, I want to say it was like four to one or three, three to, to one. one. Yeah. So it was four to one gross, three to one net. And at the end of the day. Um, when you have other business expenses, like people you're hiring to answer the calls and stuff like that, um, the return didn't make sense for us yeah. for the way we were doing direct yeah. mail. So um, that was when we decided to go on with cold calling. January 1st hit, we hired 10 cold callers, right? <laughs> so we added eight to our team, like right there. Wow. So uh, we weren't playing around. We were like, we're, we're all into this thing. Yeah. So um, 
We hired uh, eight more cold callers to bring our team to a total of 10. Um, we outsourced to a, a call center in the Philippines and totally bummed for the month of January. Not, not one deal in the month of January. And so we fired everybody except for the original <laughs> two people that we had. Yeah. We even fired one of our original yeah. guys, kept our best guy. Okay. And then we went and individually sought out places you could hire people that would do outbound calling from different sites. And uh, we rehired the entire team in the month of February. In the end of February, um, we were building our deal pipeline. And in the beginning of March, we had 22 or 25 deals under contract, all from cold calling. Wow. Um, actually, one was from uh, yellow letters from the previous year, and one was a referral from, from January. But the rest were from cold calling. Wow. And then so, you guys were completely sold at that point, I would think. Yeah, we're like, man, yeah. this is ridiculous. And this is like the best month we ever had in our business. So yeah. We're like, that's it. We're all in, you know? <laughs> that's awesome. So, okay. So what does your team look like now? How many people do you have and that kind of thing? Yeah. So great question. So we took our original top performer cold caller and we turned him into our team lead. So he now manages the team. Okay. Um, so we have a total team of six right now, five people on the team plus him six. He dials as well, um, okay. but we give him some more hours so he can manage the rest of the team. Um, you know, I've, I've trained him on one-on-ones. Uh, -on -one. So he has one-on-ones um, one day of the week with each member of our team. Uh, he has weekly script training three days a week with the team. And I've taught him how to run all that stuff. And now he oversees everything. Okay. And that's pretty much uh, how the cold calling team works. And they're all virtual, right? They're, they're VAs. They're from overseas, I assume. Yeah. Okay. They're okay. All overseas, yeah. Out we, of the country. We um, actually had an American uh, do cold calling for us. And what I found, fortunately, is Americans want more money, which is fine. I don't mind paying if I'm going to get the return. But the work ethic, at least from uh, some of the people that we had, uh, just wasn't there. Yeah. Right. So these these guys, you know, in the places that we'll hire them, I mean, their work ethic is like crazy. They'll get yeah. on the phone like, super pumped to be dialing today. This is crazy. We're going to get them leads. Let's go, guys. You That's know? great. And I'm like, man, I love it. Let's That's get awesome. It. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, where do you, so where do you see it going in terms of like the, the team that you have? Do you want to have a team of 50? Are you happy with the six? Is that pretty much where you want to be? Or do you want to grow it? Or the, the cold calling part of it? Is that something you want to continue to grow? Or have you found like your equilibrium? No, I mean, absolutely. So uh, one of the things we learned from a, going from a team of 10 to a team of six is we learned that um, sometimes more isn't always better. Mm -hmm. And so you want to keep track of each, just like you track, like, okay, you're going to send out a direct mail piece to a list. What's your ROI on that individual list? Mm -hmm. You want to track your ROI and your individual team members, yeah. right? And see who's bringing in the deals, who's not. So um, you have a little bit more leeway because the dollar amount you're paying these guys isn't like you know, what you're spending on direct mail, right? Right. right. But um, you want to track that ROI. So not just saying I'm going to have 50 people on my team, but I'm going to track the ROI of each group. So we're going to be hiring in groups of 10, if that makes sense. Okay. And one team is going to oversee a group of 10. So right now we're at six. So we'll have uh, four more to hire um, once we expand into a few more markets. And then um, our second group of 10, we've already identified who our team leader is for that on our team. Nice. And then he's going to oversee that uh, second group of 10. Love it. God, that's so cool. And the, and I, the margins are great. We've, we've gone over this in the past and I kind of saw your metrics. Um, what are you guys using as your, as your dialer? Um, and, and I guess, do you have, can you, I don't know if you have this information in your head, but like how many calls are these people making per day? Yeah. So great question. Um, so we use a dialer called Zen call. Okay. And, um, if, if anybody that's listening right now is interested in getting Zen call, uh, reach out to me. I have a special discount that you can get that, saves a significant amount from the per seat okay. uh, cost that you would typically hire. Nice. Let's just say it now. We'll say it at the end, but how do they get a hold of you? Like what 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 is your what's the mode sure. that you prefer? Um you can either reach out to me through uh through Facebook through a private message. Okay. Um, that's fine. Uh or you can send an email to Chris, so C H R I S at rise real estate group.com and you spell spell it just like it sounds R I S E real estate group.com. Okay. Altogether. Okay, good. All right. So Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. You use Zencall as your dialer. Yeah, so we use Zencall. Um, Zencall is true call center software. Um, and as far as how many calls they make, we've made as many calls as a half a million calls in a month. Wow. Um, before. 
Um, but I would say on average, as far as connects goes, when they're making calls and connecting with people, each rep is probably dialing on about 5,000 numbers a week. Okay. Each person is doing 5,000 dials per week. And I assume with Zen call, uh, it's it's multiple calls at one time. Like they're setting up yeah. a bunch of calls. Somebody picks up, the other ones drop, kind of a thing. Yeah. Okay. So it can it can vary too. So if we've hit a list a bunch of times, then the Zen call dialer can speed up to as fast as twenty five lines dialing all at the same time. Wow. And so that's where we got up to that half a million is we were calling on a lot of lists that um, that we had going for a long time. It was taking a lot more phone calls to reach uh, reach people than normally a fresh list would. So we sped up the dialer. And uh, we just made an obscene amount of calls. Yeah. Do you guys, how do you guys deal with the do not call sitch? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So with do not calls, uh, we, you know, we have a, we have an internal do not call list that we scrub against. Okay. Um, you know, it's really important. And I'd advise anybody looking to get into cold calling to check with the rules and laws of your state. We're not attorneys. Yeah. All that good for information. Sure. Yep. Yep. Um, definitely. So, um, but, uh, but in all, out of all seriousness though, when you're reaching out to people, you know, if you're respectful to those people, um, and you're instructing your team to be respectful to those people, you shouldn't run into any problems. The problems yeah. that people face is when a seller is rude and then you respond in kind, yeah. that is opening yourself up for big, big, big problems. Whether you're calling on someone that's on the do not call list or you're not calling on mm -hmm. someone that's there. Yeah. The same thing can happen with direct mail. If you send harassing pieces in the mail, I mean, what yeah. do you think is going to happen? Or if your team, you know, answers the phone and they're rude to the person, you're going to get complaints totally. one way or the other. So yeah, totally. marketing as far as that goes. Yep. I totally agree. I, I think a lot of it has to do with how you, um, and, and for the, that matter, ringless voicemail, we do that kind of stuff a lot. It, it really does matter how you're, what kind of a message are you leaving? Is it aggressive? Is it, you know, is it agitating? And those are the, those are the things that will get you in trouble. So, all right, good. Um, I, I want to kind of wrap up a little bit here, but before we do a couple questions, number one, we, we heard about your beginnings and that bandit sign deal you did made $4,000. You kind of ramped up, you were doing a few deals. Wh what does your business look like today? Where, where are you currently sitting with your business? So um, currently sitting with our business uh, as far as a team layout and then as far as performance, we'll get into that. Okay. So uh, team. Um, so if you read the book Traction, um, I'm the visionary. Heather's the integrator. They both work together to form that ultimate vision of where the company is going to go, but also laying the foundation of how things are going to get there. Mm -hmm. um, outside of that, we have uh, an acquisitions manager, one acquisitions manager. Uh, we actually just hired a dispositions manager. So he's in place now pumped about him, just like we are acquisitions manager. And um, we have a team of uh, six cold callers. One of them is a team lead. And that's that's uh, pretty much our entire team. And then we have some realtor partners and property inspectors and all that. But I mean, that's our that's our core team. Nice. Um, as far as volume goes, um, we're on pace for uh, 80, uh, 80 deals at the end of this year. So wow. that's uh, really exciting. A that's huge jump from where we were. That's awesome. That is so cool. So real quick question, just kind of a uh, maybe a nerdy question. If, with your team, who handles the transaction part of it? Who, when it when it has to like go through that closing, is your dispo guy doing that, or who who deals with title? So right now, acquisitions is also acting as transaction coordinator. Okay. So, okay. Um, that was kind of um, he's doing both of those, and then our next hire um, after we got these people one hundred percent up and going. We're going to hire a transaction coordinator. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. That makes sense. And we, we kind of do the, a similar thing, only we have our dispo guy. He's the transaction manager, basically. He's interacting and making sure it's all going through. So that's smart. It t that makes total sense. So, <clears throat> okay. So that's where your team is. You're at 80 deals on pace to do 80 deals this year, which mm -hmm. is, what'd you do last year, by the way? How many deals did you do last year? Uh, last year, I want to say we probably did, uh, what, like 40, maybe? 40. Okay. Somewhere around there, maybe I don't remember. So you yeah, you I, I, you, I, I you essentially doubled your 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 deal flow, and you yeah. eliminated direct mail, right? So yeah, that's yeah. like that's amazing. That's that's awesome because yeah. a lot of people direct mail, direct. That's where I'm getting all my deals. You guys eliminated what a lot of people would consider their main deal source, and you doubled your business, and your margins are better, right? So, yeah. and now you're completely automated and and hired out. That's, oh, that's so cool. So if you guys were gonna start over like today, like you're still those people in corporate working. 60 hours a week. I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, you're still working 60 hours a week. You know what you know now. How would you start your business? What, what would be the first thing you would do? Like, how would you start building this thing that you have now? So I'd like to get a unique perspective from uh, my side. And then I'd also like to get Heather's perspective. Great. Perfect. She would so that we can kind of hear two sides of yep. um, business. So do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go no, first? no, you go first. Okay. I mean, I'm just kind of thinking actually. <laughs> 
So, um, and if, and if what I say is on board with what you would do, then that's yeah, fine too. So, um, so, uh, so basically if I was going to start over, um, first of all, I would remove all limiting beliefs as far as you have to be at a certain point before you do X, Y, and Z. Okay. Um, that's a big thing. And X, Y, Z could be expand your marketing. It could be, you know, hire a person on your team. It could be, um, whatever that is, whatever that looks like, whatever barrier or block that's in front of you, I would just like remove that because it's, it's truly, it's, it, it doesn't exist. It's, it's not real. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing that I would do. Um, and now it open up a world of possibilities. Um, but the second thing that I would do is I would, I would stop overcomplicating it, stop overthinking it. If it's direct mail, like just send a piece. Don't worry about so much what it says, just <laughs> get a piece from something that works and send it out. Right. And tweak as you go. Right. Yeah. It's, but marketing strategy, I would probably cold call. I yeah. would probably get on the phone. I would pull a list. I would call people and see if they want to sell their properties. And then I would scale it a lot faster um, than we did for sure. If somebody was going to start cold calling, they, they're they like, okay, I'm doing some deals. This cold calling thing is awesome. Look, I'm going to look into this. Would you tell them, and I don't want to lead you, tell me no if this is not true, but would you tell them just take whatever list you're mailing and, yeah. and skip trace it and just call that list to yeah, start. Exactly. Yeah, because that's a that's a barrier. I mean, one of the top questions yeah. I get from people is what's the best list, man? What's your best performing list? Right. Give me that list. Like, what should I call? And it's like, dude, just call, take the list that you're already mailing to, or you're already doing some other type of marketing to, skip trace it, call it. That's yeah. that's that's it. And that will remove so many barriers. And if you just do that, you can experiment with other lists later, just like you do a direct mail. But yeah. if if you're just getting started like in mailing and then you're like, what list should I mail? And people are like, here's 15 different options for you. You're like, yeah. oh my gosh, like where'd I begin? You know? Yeah. And market so to market, getting... there is no best list. Like every market, the list is going to perform differently probably. So yeah. 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 And that's a thing. And um, one last thing that, uh, that I would, that I would do also is I'd pick one marketing channel and I would own that channel, right? Own it, know it better than anybody. And then once you got that, then scale to a second marketing channel. Um, because it's, it may take you a little bit more time in the beginning, but you're going to scale a lot faster when yeah. you do that, you get much better return on your marketing. But what was your suggestion? I was going to say, I think something thing that we kind of talk about when we reflect back a lot is like just thinking bigger, yeah. right? Like much bigger. Like if you're like, Oh, I'm going to put out, you know, X number of signs a week and I'm just going to. No, no, no. You need a double, yeah. triple, quadruple. Like we talk about that a lot. Like we, we've always like done big things, but in the beginning we were like, man, we just had that. We should have thought bigger. And yeah, like we, we, uh, it's so funny. Like in the moment you're like, man, I'm thinking big, bro. Yeah. We're going to do like a hundred signs, you know? Yeah, and it's like, I know. And it's not. Or you're like, I'm going to mail out, you know, and, X number of pieces. And yeah. then like, then you reflect on how it's like, to go from that number to like 30,000 a month. Because you have no point of reference, yeah. you know, yeah. unless you're looking at what numbers other people are doing, you really have no point of reference with what's big, right? Yeah, totally. And so I think that you should just take the number in your head of whatever you think is going to be big, right? And just multiply it by four. <laughs> and then and there you go. I love because that. The biggest problem that I see people with getting started where they don't have traction is they're not doing enough. Like, yeah. you're yes. like, well, uh, I knocked on 12 doors That's today. Good. No, dude, you need to lock, knock on like 120. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Think bigger with, think bigger with what you want your result to be, but also think bigger with your actions you're going to take to get there. Right. Way bigger, yeah. I, I totally agree. And I think just to kind of bring it back a little bit to how we ended up meeting, being in, being in a mastermind, especially a high level mastermind, you start, your eyes do start opening to what is possible because you, you're, you're in a room with people who are doing a lot more than you're doing in some cases. And you go, Oh wow. Like you can do a hundred deals in a year. Like that's a thing. <laughs> you know, yeah. like when I was starting out in this business in my local market, there was someone who did 25 deals in a year. And I was like, I said Ooh. this, like, this is almost, this is almost a quote. Like, I think I said to someone once, if I could do half of what they're doing, I would be ecstatic, you know, yeah, exactly. because, because 25 was the ceiling. As far as I was concerned, there was no more than that you could do. Right. And then I surround, I start meeting people and surround myself with folks that are doing 50, 60, hundred, 200. It's like, what in the world is going on? But then you realize the the effort to do, honestly, you guys will do 80 deals this year with probably less effort than you did 40 last year. And then next year in 2020, 
who knows, you'll do 100 or 150, and you'll probably put less, like, or the same effort into it. To, so it's not like I do 40 deals, I work my butt off, I'm busy all day and all night, and then I do 80 deals and I'm like staying up, I'm not even sleeping anymore. It's not like that because you systemize, you hire people, you bring people in so that you can expand. And it just, it's very possible. And you're right. I had a, I thought I was thinking big when I thought if I could just do 12 deals, I'd be all over it. And then, you know, fast forward, if you told me what I'm doing now, like, eight years ago, I would just, my mind would explode. And I look yeah. at my business now and I go, I really got to grow like this. And I don't mean necessarily grow for the sake of growth, but I need to improve. I can do better. Right? My numbers can be bigger and my margins can be better. And, you know, I need to tweak this. Like, I'm not like satisfied. Like I've done it. And now I'm just going to stay right here. Like you, you, you go to a, a certain distance, you can only see so far, but once you get there, you can see farther. Right. And that's kind yeah. of what it ends yeah. up being. And it's not about not being content. It's just, you see what's possible, you know, your eyes are opened a little bit more and you're, it's a little more clear what you can do. So a hundred percent. Yeah. That was the same thing for us, you know, flashback where you thought you wanted to be, you only dreamed of. Right. But then once, like you said, you got exposed to that, you're like, I thought I wanted to be here and this is all I wanted. And then it's just like amazing how that mm -hmm. changes so much. Like always be thankful for where you are because sure. at one point you always wished you were there. Yep. But once you're there, like it's cool to just see that change and then mm -hmm. transition year over year to like think bigger, do more, grow bigger, like yep. remove the limiting beliefs. And, you know, like you are truly capable of anything. If mm -hmm. you, like Chris said, want it bad enough, you're willing to put in the effort yep. and the time and the commitment and also those blood, sweat, and tears and sleepless nights that come sometimes. But if you yeah. want it bad enough, like it will happen. You just can't quit. Yeah. Totally. And one last thing that I'll say as far as that goes too is uh, going back, you asked, you know, what would we do differently? We would have joined a mastermind like Much way sooner. There's nothing like this when we started, um, but uh, at least to my knowledge, but um, we would have joined a lot sooner because one of the ways that you excel in, in one of the biggest ways is when you get around a lot of people, you think you're 25 deals a year, or whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, you think you're a, you're a stud, right? And even though we're on pace to do what we're doing now, like, like we'll step in the room and like, you got someone in there doing 300, you got, you know, you guys like right. doing over a hundred, I don't even know where you guys are at right now. You yeah. guys do crazy. So, um, <laughs> so the thing is, it's like, you see all these people and it expands your horizons of what's possible. You're like, wow, totally. Dude, that is possible. And then it's, it's cool because being in something like that, like, so let's say you're doing whatever 80 deals a year and that guy's doing 200. What's so cool about the mastermind is like you literally get in the same room across the table, yep. across the lunch table. And you guys talk about like just those little things that he's like, I went from 80 to 200 by doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Like that's awesome. Or, Hey, I use this program, which saved me Mm -hmm. X number of dollars per piece or per dialer or per whatever. And you're yeah. like, Oh my God, that saves me thousands of dollars a year. Yeah. And then you can take those little, like little things that you think don't add up mm -hmm. by saving X number of whatever on that piece or that dialer over the course of a year, that's so much more money you can reinvest yeah. and hire and grow with. So you learn all those things from being around people that are doing them and made those Absolutely. changes. Totally. Yes. You know, it's funny when you're, when you're starting out, you really, everything you learn is kind of like big, you know, it's like, oh, that is a total mind shift, right? And then as you scale, the 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 differences or the distinctions or the things you learn are maybe not as monumental, but because of volume, it exponentially oh, yeah. helps you, right? So you don't need to learn like business altering paradigm shifting things when you're doing 80 deals. But if you learn a couple of tweaks and you times it by 80 deals, yes. the savings is astronomical or the, the, the benefit is astronomical. Or so, even if yeah. you take, you know, your fees, you know, you, you, even if you take your average profit from, you know, whatever to doubling it, right? I mean, that doing the same number of deals, I mean, you could do twice as much profit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You could simply add an extra $2,500 or five grand to every deal that, times I mean, 30 like you deals. Said volume. Like, yeah. look how much money that is. So yep. you have to think like it's it's a compounding effect in everything that we do. And yep. we're seeing scaling too, um, kind of like what you said, it's it's about turning little knobs. It's like a little tiny knob, a tweak here, a tweak here, a tweak here, a tweak yep. here, but volume and scale, it's it's a big, when big you difference. Man, when you scale a little improvement, over the course of the year is a humongous difference. So 
That's awesome. Listen, guys, I, I, I'm going to wrap this up. I know you're, you're busy and we've this went a little even longer than I thought it would go, but it was so good. I can't stop you guys from talking because you're great. You're, you're What you're doing is so cool and you're just cool people. Uh, I told you before we got started, you're like Mr. And Mrs. America to me. You're, you're not only good looking people, you're smart, you're successful, you're good hearted people, which I think is is huge. I, I just I'm, I'm I gravitate toward people that are just good people and you guys are good people. And I really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on and, and and hopefully, and I think inspiring a lot of people like you've been doing. You guys are going to be at Flip Hacking Live with me. I know you're going to do a presentation there. So a whole room of people are going to get a chance to see what you guys are about. And I'm excited to have you there. And I'm super proud of you guys. I, I knew you before you exploded. And uh, and I'm just happy to be your friends and say that I know you. So um, thanks for doing this. And I, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, too, we were Mike. honored to be here. Thanks so yeah. much for having us. All right, right guys. Talking live too, and it was uh, amazing to be on your podcast, and really appreciate the opportunity. Awesome, thanks, guys, and we'll see you in a few weeks in in uh, San Diego. Sounds okay. good. See you All right, guys. Bye. Thanks. Bye bye. All right, that was Chris and Heather Logan, and I think it's pretty clear to see why I brought them on. They're just really, really awesome people. They're rock stars. I mean, they corporate people working 60 hours a week, just hustling, uh, figuring this business out, getting out there for two years and putting out bandit signs. I mean, my goodness, that's way longer than I would have lasted doing bandit signs. Um, so they're just willing to do whatever it takes. And really, you know, I don't know if you caught this, uh, really understood the power of this during the interview, but they stopped doing direct mail. They stopped doing basically everything except cold calling and they doubled their business and they just managed cold calling and like they said during the during the interview they just focused on one channel one lead generation channel and they mastered it and these guys are the best they're going to be talking at flip hacking live like we said uh we invited them there because there's nobody doing cold calling like these guys uh they're just rocking it out and they're just great people so i hope you enjoyed that i hope you got something out of it i think it was um, it, it was a, the kind of interview that really makes you feel like you can do this. And, and, and they're just, they're good people and they're smart people, but they're just like you and I, and, and they really are just getting it done and creating a profitable business. And I just love those guys. So I'm glad I could bring that to you and I hope you enjoyed it. So, uh, until next, until next time, until we speak again, guys, if you want to do this business, if you really want to be good at it, if you want to really crush it in real estate, the first thing is just to get out there and just start. All right, we'll see you next time.